one day for for those listening, if I include this somewhere in something, <laughs> maybe this will be the cold open. But we had that that kind of podcast cover art kind of poll survey. We did, yeah. And we had one. And I actually was really proud of the one that I created. I love the one that we have on right now with Rosie the River up front. But there was one that I created. And I'll have to, maybe I'll, I'll post it on our website for those listening so they can go check it out. But it was an old British World War II propaganda poster. And yeah. it was the, it's kind of this like, Good looking woman sitting in like in like a tight fitting dress sitting on this like lounger chair. It's like lounging very seductively with a naval officer. Like three officers there's around three, her. There's, there's three officers around but her. But the one you see the naval guy being right But yeah, the one you see because you can see the stripes on, on his mm-hmm. collar. And I think it says like above it says keep dumb, she's not or keep mum, she's not so dumb. Yeah. Basically saying like, hey, don't talk about your military actions in front of this person. She might actually be a spy. Don't try to impress her with all the stuff you know. Right, right. But it's like very seductive looking. And I recolored it and I edited mm-hmm. out the, the one and I edited out like the cigarette and the and drinking glass. Is it, it actually got the most votes out of all of them. <laughs> um, but I was like, I really like it. I was really proud of it. But I don't think it's, I don't think it was a good fit. For, yeah. oh, I don't think it was a good fit for this particular podcast. But if we ever did like a, talk with history after dark that would be a fun one it's like something that you would not listen to with your kid in the car topics that are a little bit not safe for you know children more adult more adult more dark adult you know anyways complete totally aside so if if you're listening and you're interested in talk with history after dark let us know you can find our email in the uh, podcast show notes Welcome to Talk With History. I'm your host, Scott, here with my wife and historian, Jen. Hello. On this podcast, we give you insights to our history-inspired world travels, YouTube channel journey, and examine history through deeper conversations with the curious, the explorers, and the history lovers out there. Now, today we embark on a journey to Wyoming where the Oregon Trail pioneers of the 1800s left lasting marks on the landscape. We're talking about our exploration of the wagon ruts etched into the earth at the historic site in Guernsey, Wyoming, a testament to those travelers' resilience. And we'll tell you about our visit to Register Cliff, not too far away, where their names are forever carved in stone preserving the stories of those who ventured westward. So stick around and join us as we bridge the gap between past and present, rediscovering the spirit of these brave pioneers. So Jen, you grew up going to the places that we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, so I lived in Wyoming from the time I was in second grade to 10th grade. Cheyenne is very close to this area, about an hour away from this area. And so for field trips, we would go, you would learn different parts of the Oregon Trail. And as you got more, as you as you got older, you would learn more. And so we would go to these wagon wheel ruts. We'd go to Register Cliff. We'd go to Fort Laramie just to bring the story more to life. Sure. 
And uh, I, I just remember being there with my class and standing in between the ruts and taking pictures and it just looked ex- almost the same even yeah. now. But it was just such a neat part of America and a neat part of American history and to have really grown up with it. So we talk about this. We usually when we would inter- when we interview people on Talk With History, we'll ask them what local history they know, what local history they learned. And where you grow up really impacts how you learn history. Oh, 100%. So me growing up, my, my younger years, my youngest years in Central California near mm-hmm. Monterey, I grew up going to a world-class aquarium. Yeah. Because that's what aquariums do. They, they have kids come do their field trips. And so I remember just like you as a kid going to the Monterey Bay Aquarium, mm-hmm. which is world-renowned in petting stingrays and doing all the stuff that kids do with these things. And I never did that, right? And so, and you also knew a lot about the missions. Yeah, the missions and the Native Americans. Which I never learned about And all the the stuff that kind of Spanish history Mm -hmm. that kind of came, right, all throughout California. Yeah, so you very are influenced by what is available to you. And that's what, you know, Walk With History really emphasizes, like what history is in your backyard. Yeah. What history is available to you as an easy road trip. And so for me growing up, this was one of those easy road trips. This is the history I knew. So when it was very important for me when we took our kids out on this Western trip that we go to these little off-road places. And so this is very much a part of the Oregon Trail. Right. In our last episode, we talked about Devil's Tower. Mm -hmm. And this isn't too far away. No, it's on the same side of Wyoming. Same side of Wyoming. So it's, you know, it's maybe a couple hours. Yeah. Um, And so... Once we tell us kind of a, we didn't really talk about the Oregon Trail mm-hmm. for Devil's Tower. So what's kind of the the snapshot? Like what prompted everybody to kind of start heading out west? So the Oregon Trail is this western route that people would take to basically move in America, to, to change your destiny, to go make your fortune. And we they call it emigrate. Instead of immigrate, you're emigrating. So you're, you're moving within your own country. And at first, in the early 1840s, it was missionaries that were very motivated to do this. And when we went to Oregon and visited your brother, I got a book from the very first missionaries that made it across. Oh, wow. And... When they did that successfully in 1840, it kind of inspired people to that this could be done. And it also coincided with a a depression that was going on in 1837 and 1841 in America, where farmers and businessmen weren't making money. They were turning out to be destitute and they weren't making a go of their businesses. And so they decided to pack up and go west and try to make their fortunes. And and there had been... There had already been a little bit of that out there, right? Mm-hmm. With the fur trapping. I mean, there had been even the French. I mean, they had been yes. out there. So there had been traders out there. And there had, you know, of course, Lewis and Clark had explored. So people knew there was this kind of kind of way westward. Yeah, this area that hadn't been discovered, settled, and it was wild, untamed, but it it was a possibility. It was a dream, right? And so politicians really urged people to go west. You see a lot of things, land for free. You can get out there and make settlements. There was uh, sort of incentives to make settlements. 
And there was this um, growing spirit of manifest destiny where God intended the United States to trust to stretch from coast to coast. Plus, at the time, the British kind of had their foot on the Pacific Northwest. So if more Americans could move out there, it could kind of push the British away. Yeah. And, and that makes sense, right? For the, the fledgling, you know, U.S. government, mm-hmm. right? For them to be like, okay, how do we keep the British and the French and the Spanish, yes. right? How do we keep them out of that land? We got to get our people out there. And that's what they started doing. Yeah. So you have this idea of the American dream. People are coming into America and the cities are already overcrowded. So they sell this dream of go west, get your families, get a cart, get some possessions and go west and build your life there. And people would take like their whole families with them or villages with them or groups of people. And basically the start of the Oregon Trail is Independence, Missouri. And it stretches from Missouri, it touches Kansas, goes into Nebraska, Wyoming. And then from Wyoming is where it's going to kind of veer off. If you're going to go the Mormon Trail towards Utah, you're going to go the California Trail towards California, or you're going to hit Idaho through Oregon. And now does all three of those, because really, I think one of the things we talked about in our Fort Laramie video was that Fort Laramie was like the last real big stop before you hit the mountains. Yes. Like that like that was kind of the last stop. And then once you go start going west past Fort Laramie, you had to commit to get past those mountains. Yes. And this is this is where all the trails intervene. So this is where everyone They all converge at Fort converge. Laramie. If you're on that California trail, if you're on that Mormon trail, if you're on the Oregon Trail, you're all gonna hit Fort Laramie. And what's interesting about the Guernsey Ruts and Ridderster Cliff is it's the first basically camp after Fort Laramie. It's the one day travel first camp. So most people who leave Fort Laramie, their first overnight stay will be Register Cliff. One of the things that I read about, and I I kind of put in like a little pop-up video type thing on the video was that the reason that the ruts, these Guernsey ruts were so well-defined is the way, one, everybody was converging in Fort Laramie, Mm -hmm. and two, after Fort Laramie, the, the way the landscape was is everybody passed by this particular spot. Everybody, so, yes. like, you know, if, even in the video, we said 300 to 500,000 traveled the, the Oregon Trail. So you get that many people over the years with these heavy, you know, wagons passing over the same exact spot. It gets incredibly worn in. I mean, we could still see them to this day. Thousands of wagons. Thousands. So why is everyone going that that direction? It's because of the North Platte River. It's right around Laramie, and it's it, it basically has saturated the land around that area. So if you put your wagon wheels into the mud, it's going to get stuck. But if you go over the sandstone, it keeps your wagon wheels from going in. That, that makes and sense. And that's why everyone is going like, in the same area. Literally this exact mm-hmm. spot. Like yeah. they all, I mean, it's, it's really interesting to see because it wasn't something like you said, you knew about it growing up. Mm-hmm. So you had known, known about it most of your, most of your life. I hadn't known about these, right? I, I didn't really know about Register Cliff. I didn't know about the Guernsey, you know, wagon ruts. Mm-hmm. I knew, having grown up in the West, that you could go see spots of the Oregon Trail. That was about all I knew. Yeah, and these wagon ruts, they also call it Deep Rut Hill, are, they say, the best example of Oregon Trail wagon ruts because of erosion through the years or there's been people who have built up where the Oregon Trail actually was and it, it, there's been change 
And but these ones are actually the best example if you want to see it. So it's it's really neat. It's about a half mile south of the town of Guernsey, but if you you put it in your GPS, yeah. it'll show up. It's it's very easy to find. What's neat about this area too is during World War II, right before World War II, the Depression time. This is part of the Civilian Conservation Corps where FDR created these jobs for people. Yep. And so if you visit the Guernsey Wagon Rats, this is great examples of architecture, building, some of the buildings there, and the trail is actually made by them. So the trail you take to walk around the Wagon Rats. Oh, wow. And the picnic area there. It's called the Sitting Bull uh, Picnic Shelter. It's all built from that uh, 1930s program by FDR. Yeah. And it's just really great architecture. It's still there today. And I remember even as a kid sitting in the picnic structure and having uh, lunch, but you'll notice there's a nice groomed trail that takes you all around. I will say there is steps. So if you are on a wheelchair or something motorized, it might be more difficult, but it's a very easy groomed trail. It doesn't take you on to the ruts, which I think, you know, trying to protect them, but you're right beside them. And you can see. Yeah. And you'll see in our video, again, I'll, I'll link our video in the show notes. But you'll see in our video, if we wanted to like jump down inside of the wagon ruts, we could have. Oh, yeah. And right. I mean, I have pictures as a kid doing that. Right. They haven't fenced them off or anything like mm-hmm. that. And, and I think that's because it's in stone. So it's relatively easy to, to preserve. Yeah. And it wasn't anything spectacular, but it was just so neat yeah. to see like literally this is where thousands upon thousands of, of wagons pass wagons. through this exact spot. Wagons and draft animals and people wore down this sandstone. And it's to some degree where it's five feet and you can see between the, the wagon wheel ruts, you can see is the, the length of a wagon. Yeah. It's, it's really amazing to see. And 25 years of use is what they believe this area had from 1841 to 1869, because in 1869, the railroad is completed. And so most people would take the railroad across the West. Yeah. But this was so used during that time. They believe that 500,000 people came through there. Wow. And about a tenth of them would die from disease. So right in that area is some famous tombs, gravestones, from early settlers and their families. And those stories are always important to tell about the Oregon Trail as well. As well. But so when people were making this trek, it would usually take about five months. And like you said, you want to make sure you're hitting Laramie pretty early. I imagine that's where a lot of people would restock and mm-hmm. rest up and then be like, okay, guys, it it's, by an, May it's the mountain push. Because you don't want to be crossing the mountains anywhere near the winter. Yeah. So that was really neat. It was first recorded, someone passing the ruts, like someone wrote about it in 1812. Oh, wow. So that's how long they've been around. And then it became a national historic landmark in, in 1966. Now, not too far away from there. Oh, I want to say one more thing. Oh, Yes. Brigham Young went through there. Really? He had to have because he settled Salt Lake City in 1847, in July of 1847. Yeah. So he passed through there probably June of 1847. Wow. Yep. That's that's pretty wild. Historic tidbits. It it, it really is. It's one of those things that until you get there and see it, like kind of hearing about it and even seeing it in a video, you're like, oh, that's cool. But once you get there... And you've traveled through that part of Wyoming, which is just huge and just 
feels big because there's nothing out there. Yep. You're just driving through plains and it's windy and all of a sudden then you hit Fort Laramie and there's this little protection. Mm-hmm. And then you get over to these wagon ruts and you're like, oh my gosh, like people were traveling across this vast expanse of yeah. countryside in covered wagons and all this stuff. And nothing else. too far away is Register Cliff, which I totally understand why everybody's staying there mm-hmm. because it's pr- probably protection from wind and yes. all that stuff. Yes. And so Register Cliff is called that because everybody called, carved their name in the rock. Carved their name in the rock. So it's also a historic place. It's open daily sunrise to sunset. And it was a one day's journey from Fort Laramie. So to the west. So again, if you're from Fort Laramie, this is as you're heading out wherever your final destination is. And it's 100 feet above the North Platte River Valley. So you have some, again, you're not going to, you have rock around you. So it's a little bit more, again, it's a, it's a landmark, which would be easy for them to find. And you would be able to not sink into the ground there, which is. And, and it sounded like, even from my research, it was, I think, online or the National Park website says it's one of three kind of similar style cliffs. So it makes sense for people to be going from one to the next one to the next yes. one because again, landmark, natural protection. Yes. Right. And they're all and there's the two other ones is Independence Rock and Names Hill Names or something. Hill. Like, they're like all that. in Wyoming. Yeah. Which and, makes uh, the same kind of rock. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sandstone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's this chalky limestone. And I think what was the kind of earliest name registered on there? So they I've I there's conflicting reports. Like I've seen the earliest one at eighteen twenty nine, but when you're there, they have a sign there that says 17. Yeah, it said it right on the sign. That's yeah, right. Yeah, it said right on the sign. 1797. Yeah, so I was like, okay. Now, what is very interesting is what I really love about this is they've been able to trace some of the names. And I wanted to talk about that because I think that is super cool when people do genealogy and they're able to look back on some of these names. Several signatures have been tracked down by their descendants, including A.A. A. Withrow. He's thought to have been Abel Anderson Withrow, and he was a saddler from Indiana who moved to California. And so he came through there, signed his name, and then during the Civil War, he was part of the fighting Californians. So he had come through there before the Civil War, signed his name on the rock, and then joined the Civil War and fought for the Californians. Wow. And then one of the most poignant signatures, they say, belongs to Alva Hunt Unthink. Yes. What was that? So he's a 19-year-old boy. He's heading for California. Again, he's part of that gold rush. And he signs his name in the sandstone June 23rd, 1850. And a week later, he dies of cholera, July 2nd, 1850. And he's buried in a marked grave outside Glen Rock, Wyoming. Wow. So you can track, like I said, the graves along. You can track from the register, if they wrote their names, their their plight, right? Their, Their journey. And so he's one of those famous ones. So what also happened with him is his cousin will come and sign the rock beneath his name in 1869. And then his cousin's son will sign underneath that name. So all with the same name. Uh, yeah, and thank Oliver 
1931. Oh, so they're all on the. That's kind of cool. So that's kind of cool. There were some neat ones to see on there, like the one that we showed, and I think you called it out in the video. Was like someone. It must have been someone with like postal service. It yes. said U.S. Post. Mm-hmm. That's a famous. It's like 1850, one. something mm-hmm. like that. That's a famous one to take a picture. That's of. a that's a pretty famous one. So we showed that one on there because it's very clear to see, mm-hmm. right? And it was neat to see it. It's very neat. So what I love about Register Cliff, again, another place I visited as a kid, they try to protect some of the older names uh, with a fence uh, because what has happened is through the years, more modern people want to add their names to the cliff. There's a bunch of stuff from like the 60s, 70s, 80s. Yes. And it's been written over the older names. So they're trying to protect some of those older names. And they also think there's some pictographs inside the cave from American Indians, and they're trying to also protect those things as well. So it's it's one of those things that you, you know, you you want to make sure you're trying to preserve the history, but it also is a living landmark. Um, right beside Register Cliff is a little graveyard, and there are some emigrant graves there. They're not sure whose graves they are. Oh, wow. But again, one day out of Laramie, Fort Laramie, and, you know, like I said, a tenth of the people are going to die of disease along the way. And then you even get the gentleman who signs his name who's going to die a week later of cholera. And cholera is a disease you get from drinking filthy water. Yeah. So who knows if he did that at Register Cliff for a week later to die. I mean, it takes about a week. So it's very interesting. But Guernsey was the name of the cattleman in the area in 1890. Oh, okay. He owned a bunch of that land and he donated that land to the state to the federal government to make them landmarks. And that's why it's named after him. So that's where Guernsey comes from. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. It, it was the, the Register Cliff one. I wasn't quite sure what to expect. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much kind of what I expected it to be. But the one thing that I, 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 I didn't know how I'd feel about it was just seeing the old dates on there. Yeah. Right. And seeing the names and seeing the old dates on there. And again, I think it sounds like the National Park Service tried to verify some of them because mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some on there that they couldn't verify. You know, some from like the early, early 1800s, even though they said they tentatively verified that one from 1797. Mm-hmm. But you never know because someone from 1950 could have signed it for yes. 1820. So that's why they tried to verify through genealogy. But you do get fur traders out there that early. Yep. So that's why it, it could, it's plausible. Yeah, and that's, I think, the 1829 mm-hmm. one was actually like a fur trader. Yes. He marked it on July 14th, which is like a significant... Bastille Day. It was Bastille Day. And and he's French. Yeah. He's a French fur trader. And that's kind of how Fort Laramie starts, too. If you watch our video on Fort Laramie, it starts as a fur trading um, fort. And so it's just neat to... to what's, what's neat about these two things is you're seeing the journey that is building America. And you're understanding a piece of the story of what these people endured to to make dreams come true, to make a life, to make a change, to to see, you know, this American dream. And, you know, we talk about the American dream and what it is and what it means, but it's so different for each American. And really, I think it's just trying to make a, a life for yourself and your family to be free and to have something to to live off of and to have comfort and to be, you know, to be stable. And so I really love seeing these are real landmarks you can go to and be in the, the space of, which we talk about a lot, of history makers and the bravery it took to make that trek as a family 
as you lose people along the way and you keep going. And it's just amazing to be out there and to be in the presence of it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a blast. It's an easy visit. Um, very family friendly. You know, you can just drive right up to these spots, easy to find in Google Maps, you know, um, definitely worth it if you're doing the kind of the whole Western road trip. So if you're listening, don't forget that you too can embark on a journey through time to explore the rugged landscapes of Wyoming, where the echoes of the 1800s pioneers still resonate today. Just like we did, you too can retrace the footsteps of those intrepid settlers who embarked on the arduous trek along the Oregon Trail, leaving behind a tangible mark of their passage through the heart of America. Stand on windswept plains of Wyoming's and you will gaze upon a remarkable testament to the spirit of these settlers, where these ruts, like scars on the landscape, tell stories of sacrifice, determination, and the pursuit of the American dream. Your journey won't stop there because you can also see the awe-inspiring register cliff that we just talked about, where the pioneers in their pursuit of hope etch their names into the stone walls. These inscriptions serve as a, a remarkable historical registry of the individuals and families who pass through their way to the unknown. Each name tells a story, and together they paint a vivid picture of the diverse tapestry of those who dared to traverse this unforgiving terrain. Thank you for listening to the Talk With History podcast, and please reach out to us at our website, talkwithhistory.com. More importantly, if you know someone else that might enjoy this, share it with them. Shoot them a text and tell them to look us up because we rely on you, our community, to grow, and we appreciate you all every day. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you.